The Old Testament reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 9. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Thanks, Catherine. Morning, everybody. Let's pray before we look at this passage together. Father God, we thank you that you are the author and sustainer of life. And uh, that all good things come from you. Not least your word, the Bible. And so we pray that you would still our hearts and minds this morning and help us to hear what you want to say to us by your spirit. May it be a word in season for us this day. Amen. Well, I wonder how you're doing. Fed up? Frustrated? Worried? Wondering? Why is this all happening? How long is it going to go on? Maybe your hearts were lifted a little bit by the football last night, but let's face it, that's maybe only a temporary kind of blip on the horizon of uh, what we're going through in our circumstances. And maybe like me, you just want to shout out, I've had enough. (laughs) I've had enough of all this. I know lots of you have said that to, to me, expressed that to me over these last few weeks in particular. But if you think things have been bad for us, I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of the people who first heard this message from Isaiah 42. Uh, They had allowed their national and personal lives to be weakened by sin and idolatry. They hadn't listened to God's warning of of coming judgment. And now they're about to be conquered by first the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Macedonians, then the Seleucids, and then finally the Romans. That's over 900 years of conquest and captivity 
900 years of restrictions and of frustration, and you thought this pandemic, pandemic was dragging on a bit. But folks, God is always good and so, so gracious. And so just as everything's kicking off, he sends a message through Isaiah to give his people hope and comfort, to, to, to keep them going. And here it is in Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those product launches, maybe um, Steve Jobs or whoever it is, who now does the Apple uh, iPhone launches, or um, uh, Elon Musk um, uh, launching a brand new Tesla. But whatever the product, there's, there's this great big stage and there's a, an expectant crowd and this glitzy kind of intro video. And then you get the CEO of the company just, just proudly beaming as, as he announces, here is the iPhone 13. Here is something shiny and new which will revolutionize your life. And there's a real sense of that kind of unveiling here in Isaiah 42, it's like God is bursting with pride as he introduces, as he unveils his wonderful servant. And just like the crowd is supposed to go, wow, when the kind of curtain drops on the new iPhone, we're supposed to go, wow, as God says, here is my servant. Why? What's so special about this servant? What are the design features, if you like? Well, we're going to work, our pas- work through this passage, just the first four verses to, to find out. Uh, and we're not going to do anything fancy or clever. We're just going to highlight what God has to say about his servant. And the first thing is that um, he's God's servant. <laughs> That's kind of obvious, doesn't, doesn't it? Maybe not that big a deal uh, to you, but... When God wants to do stuff in the world, he usually does it through servants. I mean, he doesn't have to, does he? I mean, he's God. He could could just go, shazam, and things would just happen. (laughs) But he doesn't. He works through servants. I wonder if that's how you see yourself this morning. If you're a Christian here, do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord? That's your calling. Because time... And again, God uses ordinary people like you and me to do his work in this world. So back in Exodus, we find God rescuing his people out of Egypt, out of the slavery there, and and taking them incredibly amazingly through the Red Sea as he parts and brings them through on dry land on the other side. And then we read, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And in Moses, his servant. So God rescues the people, doesn't he? But how does he do his work? Through Moses. There's a problem with Moses, isn't there? Because Moses dies. And so then Joshua's raised up to take on the mantle of leading God's people on the next leg of their journey into the promised land until Joshua 24. Again, we read... After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Then we get a whole load of judges as servants of the Lord. And we come to David ruling God's people on his behalf as king 
in 2 Samuel 7. And how is David described there? Your servant David. But then David dies. And the same thing was still happening here at the start of book, the book of Isaiah. They'd, they'd had this great king called Uzziah. And back in chapter 6 of Isaiah, Isaiah has to go to the temple to mourn his death too. These servants of the Lord who God uses to rescue and lead and rule, these servants keep dying. And then we get to Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold, look, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, says God. Do you you, you hear God beaming with pride, bursting with pride there? God, he's saying, he's saying, I'm going to show you a servant like you've never seen before, better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than David, better than anyone who's come before. He's the apple of my eye. He is my joy. And he's going to revolutionize your life. And then he says, again in verse 1, I have put my spirit upon him. Folks, if you want to serve God, then you need the work of the spirit in your own life first. You can do no great work without God's spirit in you. So this servant is going to be fully equipped with the power of God to do their work. But what's the work? What's this work going to be? Well, that's at the end of verse 1, where we're told, he will bring forth justice to the nations. And the word there for justice is mishpat, which sometimes can refer to what philosophers call retributive or rectifying justice. In other words, punishing evildoers. But, but usually, and in this case, it means something much, much bigger. It refers to the kind of society in which retributive justice is no longer necessary. Because everything relates to everything else perfectly. Can you imagine living in a world where there's no injustice? We don't wake up every morning and read headlines about rampaging viruses and overcrowded hospitals and mental health crises. Where children never go hungry and poverty doesn't exist. Where the domestic abuse statistics are are constantly just flatlining at zero. Where we don't have to argue or debate whether it's necessary or right for sportsmen and women to take the knee before they play a game. Where David Attenborough never has to make another documentary ever again, other than to say, isn't it beautiful? Let's all go swim in this unpolluted seas. That's the kind of vision of justice that Isaiah has been given here, that God promises here. He's saying, here is my servant. And it's him who is going to put everything that is wrong right again. But notice how he brings justice. We expect those with power to use might to make things right. But the servant of the Lord will act differently to any leader we've ever seen before. 
as God's servant works quietly. Isaiah tells us, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it head in the street. You ever seen those debates in Parliament, um, especially Prime Minister's question time? Actually, you look like you probably haven't because you've got a life. But <laughs> if you have, then you will have seen <laughs> that the leaders of our country shout at one another, call one another names, um, put one another down. <laughs> There's so much shouting in our world, isn't there? Whether online or on telly or on the streets, people are shouting all the time. Trying to get their opinion heard, trying to get people to listen to them, trying to bring justice by crushing their opponents. I love this about the servant of the Lord. He doesn't shout. He doesn't seek to dominate others or, or self-advertise. Because he doesn't need to. You see, God works through people who get on with things calmly and quietly. Others will actually think that, that nothing's going on, that God is actually doing nothing at all. Because they can't see it. But they're so wrong. God's work is like the seed that grows silently underground. And that means if you're struggling to see what God is doing in this pandemic, if you're struggling to see what what he's doing in your situation right now, if you keep praying and praying and praying and you feel like he's just not answering, please be reassured. God is at work to bring justice behind the scenes. I can also say that if you think that being a servant of the Lord, serving God will get you applause and headlines, you're so wrong. That sometimes happens. It's good to thank people, obviously, but most of the really fruitful Christian work that happens, it happens outside of the limelight. I mean, that's, that's what goes on in this church, I think, most of the time. There's... Lots of brilliant people doing incredible work, but you hardly ever see it. Like the children's and youth work is going on right now in a room, hidden away somewhere in this building. We can't see what's happening. Uh, leading Christianity Explored, reading the Bible one-to-one with folk, the serving of our CAP clients, um, people translating sermons like this so that people can understand it in Farsi. That happens every week. You don't know about it. Well, you do now, because I've mentioned it. But um, <laughs> these things, they happen behind the scenes. The tech, you can only see them if you turn around. Don't turn around and see the tech people. But, but let's think about it. T- the, without the tech people, we would have barely had church through this pandemic. So much of this work, it's often unsung and unrecorded, but that is the mark of the true servant of the Lord. So if you're serving God in in one way or another, let me ask you, are you doing it watching, waiting, looking for applause and to be made a a fuss of? Be very careful. We've got to be really careful, haven't we? As we serve We do it for the Lord and not for our own ego. God's servant works quietly and is also so, so gentle. As verse 3 continues, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. 
Bruised reed is pathetic. Uh, the word here for bruised literally means crushed. It's useless. And most people would just pluck it, throw it away. Likewise, the faintly burning wick. It's like a candle that's virtually nothing left in it. It's barely, it's barely able to give any light at all. And most people would just snuff it out and be done with it. But not this servant. This servant takes the bruised reed and tenderly heals it. He takes the smoldering wick and he gently restores and revives it. Folks, I, I think we really misunderstand the word gentle, don't we? In our culture, gentleness means weak, a bit of a pushover, a bit useless itself. So we talk about fabric conditioner being gentle or, or tissues, toilet paper being gentle. So, so soft, fluffy, nice, um, harmless. Those are the kind of words that you put with gentle. But this servant of the Lord, his gentleness does not mean he's weak, not for a minute. I can prove it, prove it to you. If I was to get in a ring with Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight boxer, and say to him, Anthony, please be gentle with me. What am I saying to him? I'm not saying, Anthony Joshua, you are like a box of tissues. You're just so weak, so, so easily ripped up into little pieces and flushed down the toilet. No, no, what I'm saying is, you are much, much stronger than me. Let's face it, most people are. <laughs> but I'm saying to them, I'm saying, you're much, much stronger than me. You have the cap- cap- capability to destroy me completely. So please withhold your power and do good to me. And folks, that is what the servant of the Lord does for us. <laughs> he does not use his strength to express or exert himself, to, to crush us which he could so easily do and so rightly do. But he uses it in order to help us. And I don't know about you this morning, but perhaps you're sitting here and you're feeling pretty bruised by everything you've been through in this last year. You're pretty weak. You feel like you've got very little left in the tank. Maybe you feel like you're broken morally like you've made a complete mess of your life. Perhaps you feel that actually you're broken spiritually. You once had a really dynamic faith. You were on fire for the Lord, but now you, you've drifted. You, you feel full of doubts. Your faith is barely a little flickering ember of flame. Well, here's the good news. The good news, folks, is that the servant of the Lord loves hopeless cases. He will not snuff out any tiny spark of faith that you have left. If you let him, if you move towards him, he will restore and fan into flame the faith that you once had. For those of us feeling pretty bruised and battered this morning, he will gently heal and restore us. Because God's servant never gives up. Do you see that in the second half of verse three? He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint 
or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Have you ever started something and you've not been able to finish it? Maybe some DIY project at home. Maybe, maybe some project at work. Don't know what it, what it is. But, but you just kind of ran out of steam. <laughs> you ran out of energy, resources. You faltered. You got discouraged. I think we've all done that, haven't we? <sighs> even the very best of us have. Even with even bigger things. <sighs> like there have been some amazing people down through history. Uh, like, like Nelson Mandela. Have you ever, ever read about him? He was an incredible man. But he didn't finish the job. He didn't bring peace. He didn't bring justice. He didn't fix it. But Isaiah says, God says, there is a servant coming and he will not grow faint. He will not stop until he has finished the job completely. Until he has brought justice and healing to all the earth. Now you've got to admit, that's pretty cool. That there would be this person who would be able to come and put all things right. But I think if we were to ask Isaiah, who is this? Who is this servant? I think Isaiah would have said, I don't know. Might have been able to stab some kind of guess at it, but he would have said, I don't know. But we know, because we have the benefit of hindsight, because we read 700 years later in Matthew chapter 3 of God's soul delighting in the baptism of Jesus as he, as he goes on product launch on us again by declaring, this is my son who I love. With him I'm well pleased. And then later on in Matthew's Gospels, 10 chapter, chapters later, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand and we're told many followed him and he healed them all and then he said, shh. He ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice. Here is Jesus, the servant of God. And he didn't go around shouting and screaming. He was quiet. And when a blind beggar cried to him for mercy, he stopped and he healed him. And when a woman whose son had died cried out, he stopped again and raised the boy from the dead. And when a sinful woman begged him to forgive her sin, he smiled and he said, daughter, your sin is forgiven. Jesus alone has the power to mend broken hearts and broken lives. Jesus alone has the power to bring justice to the nations and make all things right. And he does it gently. 
withholding his power to do us good. Think if I had the power of all the heaven. If I had the power of all of heaven. I think I'd do a few miracles for me. In fact, I think I'd probably, being honest, I'd, I'd zap a few people who got in my way. But I like to think that being a relatively nice kind of guy, you might think differently of me after I've just admitted that, but being a relatively nice kind of guy, I think I'd do some miracles for you too. But I'd do some for me. That's like when someone says, if I won the lottery, I'd give half of it away. Well, bully for you. <laughs> Jesus never did anything for himself. He never did one miracle for himself. In fact, when he was tempted to do by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, what does he do? He flat refuses. And then, in an extraordinary way, on the night before he died, he knew what was coming in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they came to arrest him, and what did he say to them? Say to them he says to those arresting him, he says, do you not think I could call on heaven and legions of angels would come to me and rescue me? But Jesus holds back all of heaven's might, all of the power at his disposal so that he can go to the cross and die so that Literally, he would die, he would be bruised for our iniquities, as Isaiah 53 says. He would be crushed for our sin to bring justice on it. So the penalty falls on him and heal our hearts and our world. And God says, behold, behold, look at my servant. as he calls us to worship him by living like him. Remember those six characteristics of the servant? God calls those of us who follow Jesus to walk in his footsteps and live like him. So let, let me encourage you to make every effort this week to be willing to serve, to make yourself available to be used by God for his purposes. Uh, be alive by and filled with the Spirit. Alert to his leading, calling out to him at all points. Go, show me how to serve you in this situation, Lord. Lead me. Be ready for action, folks. Be concerned for justice. Not just a tiny sliver of it, but the wholeness of it. The whole plan of God's salvation for our world. Be willing to go unnoticed, too, as you serve and get on with the job behind the scenes and care for and come alongside the broken the bruised, the downhearted I wonder who God might be calling you even this day to reach out to and deal gently with and persevere stick at it don't give up even when you feel like you're just treading through treacle trust God to give you the strength you need to carry on. I wonder which one of those characteristics you most need to ask God to help you with. And if you're stuck in your nothing bucket today, thinking God couldn't possibly use you, not now, not ever, please be reassured. You haven't got the strength. <laughs> you haven't. You need God to give you that. And he will. 
which is why the Lord also calls us to worship him. And specifically here by singing of him. As the very next verse after our reading says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. So we're going to do that now as we finish our service. But just before we do, I think it'd be great if we just take a moment to to pray by ourselves, to, to meditate on this wonderful servant of the Lord. Let's just do that in a moment of quiet. Oh Lord, in your mercy, please hear our prayers. Amen.